Shock Monkey Radio is entertainment for adults, by adults, and the views and opinions expressed here do not reflect upon the sponsors or FXBG Public Radio. For additional information, please refer to the United States Bill of Rights. Stand warned. Uh-oh. What we got going on here? <laughs> Some crazy stuff happened on the video feed, I tell you that. Welcome to Shock Monkey Radio. I'm your host, The Madman. I don't know what EK's got going on over there. I don't know what I... Yeah, he doesn't even know what's going on, so I think he's going to try to figure that out while I'll, I'll continue on with the show. Welcome to Shock Monkey Radio. Uh, and for those of you who don't know, you should go over to the YouTube channel, the Shock Monkey Radio YouTube channel, because uh, I did Volume 8 of Scott vs. Scott this past weekend and uploaded it to the YouTube channel. Um those of you who are listening to the podcast, you know, uh, that's that's the only way you're going to get it. I'm not going to release the audio of it uh, on the podcast. But so that's you can check it out over on the YouTube, on the YouTube's channel. Yeah, Scott and I talked about a whole bunch of stuff. Talked about the heartbeat bill in Texas. Is that's where he lives now in Texas. Uh, talked about work and uh, uh, aliens a little bit. And talk about everything. It's a nice two-hour conversation with comedian Scott Wharton. It's good to talk to him again. Uh, he's chasing his career down in Austin right now. So go show him some support as well. Go over to his YouTube channel because he uploaded it as well. You know, like, share, and subscribe to both of our channels. I would appreciate it. So Crowder's back. How about that? Uh, he's somewhat healthy. I mean, I saw a show this morning, and I'm. <laughs> You know, he's got a hell of a team working with him, and uh, I, I just I really love his content. Uh, he, and he had his wife gave birth to twins, so congratulations to him. He's a dad now, too. That's pretty awesome. So, uh, yeah, Crowder's one of my heroes. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, I want to remind you not only about the YouTube channel, but go over to patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio. There you can become a patron of my show, and you can help me out. And it's like three bucks a month. It's nothing 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 this day and age for the content that i give you for free and if you can't do that you can always send me cash through the cash app use the cash tag shock monkey radio and you can see over here i got all the uh, contacts for my social media if you're watching on video and uh if you need to email me or if you want to email me ask me questions and i can feature you in a mailbag you can email me at madman at fxbgpr.com i would appreciate it so a couple weeks, like like last week, I was driving not too far from my home, and I saw this cop on the side of the road with a, a case of beer. All right, and he's opening the beers and dumping them out, opening the beers and dumping them out. And as I'm driving by, I'm just like, oh, that's a bummer, bro. That's a bummer because it just seeing that tells us the the whole, the whole story. You know, he pulled over some some kid, somebody who was under 21, saw a case of beer in his back seat or something like that. Says sorry. You know, you're not old enough to be in possession of that, so I have to take it away from you and destroy it. Now, here's the thing, though, about about beer uh, when it comes to, like, if, if a cop has to take alcohol off an uh, underage person. It's like, why not just take it home? You know, it's beer. I mean, are you that much of a straight-edge cop that you is like, I have to destroy, you know, the, the illicit substance? Which really isn't that illicit, I mean, if you think about it. But, I mean, it's... Why don't you just take it home? I mean, do you have to write that on the report that you destroyed it, or do you can you just throw it in your trunk and take it home? I mean, I mean, I'm, I I think cops should play by the rules and so forth, but I mean, it's just beer. 
do you care if some adult cop, you know, he gets a... He gets to tie one on after a long, hard day patrolling the streets, keeping us safe. I wouldn't mind. But, I mean, I guess that brings into question other things, other illicit substances. They could pull off people in cars, you know, drugs and so forth. It's like, well, I'm just, why can't I just take the cocaine home, you know? So maybe that cop was doing the right thing. I just, I thought it was a weird, weird sort of sight that you don't see very often. And it's something you file away in your memory and just like, oh, that's interesting. I should talk about that on my show. Uh, also I was driving one time, I came to a stoplight and this car pulled up behind me, it, it right behind me. And I look in the rearview mirror. And as soon as the car comes to a stop, the pa- driver and the passenger turn to each other and the passenger just starts going off on sign language. I don't know what sign language is. So if you're watching, I'm just doing the Vogue thing from Madonna video, you know? So, I mean, the, uh, and just speak a sign language. And I was just like, Oh, cool. You know, speak a sign language. It must be a deaf, deaf lady. It is wait a minute. That has got to be the worst kind of passenger you can have in your car. You know, you're sitting there trying to watch the road, and you're just you're driving, and they're they're talking. You just I, I gotta watch the road. I'm sorry, I can't pay attention to what you're saying. I, I got you know, it's got to be awful. Imagine if they're in the back seat too, and you got like you can w- kind of watch them in the mirror, and just like you know, I gotta watch the road. You're gonna get in a car accident when you're driving with a deaf passenger. They do, they won't shut up. <laughs> no offense to deaf people, I know you want to communicate just as much as anyone. But holy cow, sometimes you need to shut up because listening to you is a very active exercise. And I was thinking about that in regards to like, there's, I'm not trying to make fun of deaf people or anything here, but out there's got to be at least one boring deaf person out there. All right. And they won't shut up. Okay. And so it's, it, when, when there's somebody who's incredibly boring and uh, they talk to you a lot, if there's somebody who's incredibly boring, you could like you could tune them out in many ways. You could look at your phone, you could look in the sky, look down at your feet or whatever, like that, kick the dirt. You know, but when you're talking to somebody who's, you know, using sign language, you have to actively look at them in order to get other communication. Otherwise, they're gonna stop and try to get your attention again and then pick up exactly where they left off. All right. So anyway, as I was saying, or whatever they the sign language is for that, you know. Uh so I mean that's kind of a pain in the ass that you, you know, it's harder to ignore deaf people, you know, <laughs> in many ways. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, to, you know, to be mean or anything like that. It's just that, you know, thinking about it is like, you know, you gotta, you really gotta like pay active attention to somebody who's speaking to you in sign language. And I think that's pretty much the reason why I never learned sign language that, yeah, that and I'm lazy. Uh, anyway, so, it's September now, and September, the way that the, the way the summer bleeds into the fall, it's, it always reminds me of the time I went to boot camp. And so uh, it's been like, it, it, it occurs to me, it's been 25 years. Uh, well, 97, yeah, 24 years, almost 25 years since I was in boot camp. So I could, throw, I could drop names because statute of limitations has run out. So I could drop names on these stories I'm going to tell you because I don't know if I've told them before on the show, but they're definitely worth telling. And every September when the, the air starts feel, getting that electricity, that fall electricity, uh, my mind is instantly transported to that, uh, that experience of going into boot camp. So there's a story I want to tell you about a guy named Seaman Recruit Fresh. <laughs> Never forget this guy's name. Uh, but I got to back up a little bit because in the processing days, we met one of our very first RDCs, Recruit Division Commanders. And that was Bosun's mate, first class, Taralba. 
His uniform, every time I saw, I saw him, every single time, his uniform was sharp, on point. He was the man, all right? Bosun's mate, first class, Taralba. And I'll never forget, even in our processing days, he sit there and he, he like, kind of threatened us in our processing days. He's like, and uh, in all the years I've been pushing Rick, uh, I've found that, you know, every recruit, every single recruit's motivation is found in the lower abdomen. And there is where I'll train you in order to make sure you find your motivation to serve in my beloved Navy. <laughs> that kind of thing, you know. And it's something I remembered. But I tell you one thing, it's not something Seaman Recruit Frisch remembered. Because I remember this day, he is cycling the hell out of Frisch, just making him doing flutter kicks like crazy, like for hours, making him doing flutter kicks, flutter kicks. And Seaman Recruit Frisch didn't remember because uh, Petty, uh, Petty Officer Tarabas just – pacing back and forth, saying to Seaman Recruit Frisch, where, where, Seaman Recruit Frisch, is a recruit's motivation found? And Frisch just keeps giving wrong answers. It's, it's inside me, sir. It's inside me, petty officer. Now I'll do 20 more flutter kicks. Count them out. Count them out loud. And Frisch is counting out loud. And then finally, after the 20, he's like, 20 more he did. Uh, he's like, where is a recruit's motivation found? Seaman recruit Frisch. And he's like, my abs are burning up. I don't know. <laughs> and he's just giving the wrong answer over to really deep inside me, petty officer. <laughs> just, just begging for the sweet release of being cycled because he's not finding the right answer. And it was just one of those things where, you know, uh, uh, petty officer Taralba just eventually just gave up <laughs> trying to reach this thick-headed guy. Oh, uh, it was... It was one of those things that we made, that we laughed about in our private moments in boot camp. Is like, man, fresh. You didn't get it, man. You didn't get it. All you had to say was in the lower abdomen. He probably would have stopped. <laughs> oh, that, that's just one story about people being cycled. Now, I don't know if you know about uh, military and joining the boot camp. It's like, cycling is just making you do exercises over and over and over and over again until you, you collapse, basically, or. They would, they would do they say uh, make it rain where they close all the windows and just PT you until uh, PT everybody like a hundred guys in a in a bay until the sweat starts dripping from the ceiling. <laughs> it's awful. Anyway, there was this other seaman recruit named Seaman Recruit Kulik, <clears throat> and seaman uh, Seaman Recruit Kulik was a weird guy. All right, he was kind of an odd kid, introverted. But and a little weird. Um, but he one day he was being cycled by my other R RDC. I think it was uh, I want to say Milton, Petty Officer Milton, this tiny little operation specialist, second class. And he's wrote and uh, Milton Milton or whatever his name was was cycling through different exercises for Kulik over and over again. He was doing push ups for a while, then doing like uh, flutter kicks for a while. Then finally, he's like he uh, yells, "Stand at attention, Seaman Recruit, Seaman Recruit Kulik." Kulik stands at attention, and he's just burning. He's just angry that he's still being cycled. He's like, "I thought it would be over by now," and he's like, and he thinks that you know this little pause as he's standing there at attention, like this is the end. All right, we're done with the cycling. I don't have to do any more exercises. And then all of a sudden, uh, while while the petty officer was thinking up um, the next exercise <laughs> to do. Uh, Kulik gets getting a little bit of a breather, thinking that it's oh, it's, finally it's over. And then the petty, petty officer Milton or whatever his name was says, "Jumping jacks, fresh, uh, fresh, 
<laughs> Jumping Jacks, Kulik, count him out. Uh, and Kulik just gets this real angry look on his face. He's just furious, and he starts doing Jumping Jacks as fast and angrily as possible, shouting, you know, shouting out one, two, you know, stuff like that. But at the same time, he's every time he hops, he's like hopping forward like six inches. All right? And so everyone's sitting there watching this, this uh, take place as he's slowly working his way away from, <laughs> from where he started. It's like, you need to, and he's shouting, being shouted at. It's like, you got to stay where you are. You got to stay in one spot. <laughs> it's so, uh, you know, just for jokes and stuff. Like, show, you know, show me, give me 10 jump, uh, Kulik jumping jacks. <laughs> just kind of hops forward, like four to six inches every single jumping jack. Anyway, that was just funny. It's like there wasn't, you know, we couldn't watch TV or nothing. This is all we had to entertain us. Uh, there was another thing that the RDCs would do is they would surprise you in the bathroom. All right. Because they didn't want uh, dudes stroking it, you know, or banging each other in the bathroom stalls and stuff like that. So every now and then you'd get an inspection while people are doing head call and stuff like that. You know, you're sitting there dropping a deuce and... Uh, they throw open the curtain and, okay, nobody's having sex in here, so I guess I can move on. Uh, but one time, this guy named Knox was rubbing one out when, <laughs> and so it's like, and so he was made fun of relentlessly by both the RDCs and the recruits. And so, uh, because his name was Knox and they call the, uh, the masturbatory act <laughs> Ricky Boxing. Uh, in boot camp, they started calling it Ricky Noxing. Are you Noxing over there? Quit Noxing. <laughs> and there's one more thing I want to talk about when it comes to uh, something that was hilarious in boot camp. And that was uh, because my boot camp, I started, went in September 15th. And this is in Great Lakes, Illinois, where I went. And so there was snow on the ground at the last part of boot camp. And because you get all these people from all over the country coming to one place, you get tons like there's just the demographics alone. It's like 50% of them are from the South, you know? <laughs> and so you get these 50% of these guys who joined the Navy uh, from the South who had like never seen snow, never walked on ice. And then you're marching with your division on ice. And then all of a sudden these, uh, these Southern boys who never walked on ice before just start falling, just slipping, slipping and sliding out into streets and stuff like that, falling out of formation and they're getting yelled relentlessly, just just berated constantly. You can't stay in formation. <laughs> it was easy 10, 10 days ago when there was no ice on the ground. <laughs> and I mean, they're just they're and they're so frustrated. You know, these these guys, you know, it's like I, it's like they needed to go out and practice walking on ice before they could because it's like immediately they're like thrust into marching on ice because if you went anywhere. You were marching in a big group and you had to stay in formation. But I mean, it, I mean, if I, if, if I could have gone back in time and videotaped those times when we were walking on ice and those guys slipping and sliding all over the place and falling down and stuff like that, I would, you know, I could put so many, so many fun comedy sound effects to it. All the slip and sliding kind of, you know, anyway, <laughs> you know what I mean? So those are just some funny memories of boot camp that I always think about this time of year. Absolutely. All right, so I want to talk a little bit about something I talked about with uh, with Scott Wharton on um, Scott versus Scott Volume 8, was it? Was it Volume 8? I should pull up my YouTube channel and make sure. I think it is Volume 8. Double checking here. 
my channel. Oh, look, Shock Monkey Radio is live right now. Yeah, it's Volume 8, Scott versus Scott Volume 8. Uh, we kind of talked about this, about uh, we were talking about how David Spade was saying it's like, you know, cancel culture is causing uh, uh, jokes to not be funny anymore because, you know, everyone's got to dance their hoops and stuff like that to not be offensive. And so we talked about that a little bit. And so I want to expand up upon that. And he, so here's the thing. What sort of malice lives in your heart? Now, I'm speaking to those of you who walk out of comedy shows or try to cancel comedians. Why can't you understand that the point of humor is to laugh at the things that make us all uncomfortable? That's why all the best jokes are racist jokes. Like this one. How does every racist joke begin? Anyway, for those of you listening, you're going to have to <laughs> watch the video to get that one. Racist jokes stop racist crimes from happening. Nothing brings people together, regardless of class and creed, like laughter. You can't let your petty and fleeting, fleeting feelings to get in the way of the basic need in humans to find humor in the darkest corners of the human experience. Comedians often write jokes about murders and serial killers, but no one's kicking up, kicking up a fuss about all that. All those Karens out there who complain to social media also love true, tr true crime stories as much as us all. These are the things that unite us. These are the common threads in all our lives. And comedians and entertainers want to connect with every single person in the room. Sure, your esoteric joke may cause a few chuckles here and there, but every comedian wants every single diaphragm in the room in spasms. And some of you out there can heckle and hate if you like, but you're only cheating yourself. But in the end, I am sure that every heckled and hated comedian is disappointed that they could not bring a little levity into your life, hater, someone who desperately needs it. Life is too short and hard and sad as it is not to laugh at every chance you can get. If you want to be angry and offended all the time, that's on you. But bear in mind, hypertension is bad for your heart and circulatory system. Laughing can help fight against the hypertension or high blood pressure. And comedy and comedians allow you this opportunity to release a little pressure that we all have building inside us every single day in our turbulent modern world. Take the moment offered to you by the kind humanitarians that want to make you laugh at the silly and strange animals that we are. That's why the word Karens is a thing. One of the new words that's uh, recently been added to the old comedy tool toolbox. Karens is a cartoon character, an exaggeration of the I want to speak to the manager lady that we've all seen. Mention that she had a weird hair color to add to the realism. Humans have always been silly creatures just like the Fraggles say. And our sense of humor has evolved alongside us to keep us sane of, from the horrible things that take place all throughout human history. If you deny your sense of humor or allow your sense of offense to overrule it, you are doing damage to your body and mind. Cultivate your sense of humor. 
because I believe those of you who heckle and hate have a lot of anger and malice living inside you, and you're dealing with it in a very unhealthy way. Why would you let that anger live in your heart? That stuff is poison, and I have the perfect antidote. Laughter is the only thing to purge that poison. I believe comedy and humor play a very important role in the story of human civilization. I pray for you and people like you. Take the opportunity to laugh your cares away. Hate is going to hate, I guess. All right. Do uh, this one more thing before we get, eh, maybe two, before we jump into the news worth knowing. Um, so you need to live more like Norm MacDonald. This is kind of a continuation of the last rant. You need to live more like Norm Norm MacDonald. Now, I don't mean that you have to love twangy country music and then you blow most of your paycheck on gambling on sports. What I'm trying to say is that you got to mess with people like Norm did. Play jokes on everyone. Try to make the people around you laugh. Talk slower if you need to. Seems to me, these days, people purposely try to talk fast, myself included. But Norm will purposely meander towards his point just because it messes with people. You ever see that appearance he did on The View where he messed with those ladies' heads like the master that he is? It's amazing. Frustration is often funny, especially if you are like Norm and don't let frustration get to you. Also, don't be afraid of silence. Silence. Silence is a valuable tool in comedy that Norm has mastered, and you should too. Another thing Norm does is he says, huh? Real loud every now and then, and it's possible he misheard someone, and I do this sort of thing to myself, but huh? It sort of disarms people. It frustrates people because no one, no one wants to repeat themselves. <laughs> Norm is hilarious and a genius, and you should subscribe to the I'm Not Norm channel like I do. One of the greatest things that Norm does, which we all should emulate, is that Norm speaks truth to power. Norm was fired for his relentless O.J. Simpson jokes around a time when Norm was the king of SNL. He called Bill Clinton a murderer on The View. To be honest, I don't know why Norm is still alive. But Norm is not afraid to challenge authority and the status quo, which is the whole purpose of a jester. The jester can heckle the king and face no retaliation. As I've said previously, comedy is important to the human story, and Norm MacDonald is the king of the jesters. He's my hero, probably probably my favorite comedy writer. I don't think stand-up is his strong suit. Uh, and, you know, all things being fair. <laughs> Hey, you got a gum? <laughs> Remember when Norm did Letterman? Oh, that was so awesome. That was so awesome. Mm. Had his beer and it's delicious. Okay. Um. Yeah, we started a little a little late, and I don't want to get too much into this, but I did, I did kind of want to talk about how I, I used to be a model for Polo Ralph Ralph Lauren. Every now and then, I just when I'm feeling ugly and unloved, I just, you know, I used to be a model, a male model for Polo Ralph Lauren. Maybe I'll tell that story some other time. I've told it before. 
on the show, but just to boost my own self-esteem, I used to be a model for Ralph Lauren Polo. I'm a male model, officially. Yeah, I was 10 when I, when I did it, but uh, that officially makes me a male model. <laughs> All right, so let's go ahead and get into the news worth knowing. And uh, EK came running. He's just sitting there listening by the door. Is he going to say the key word? Is he going to say the magic word, the news worth knowing? <laughs> EK comes running. Thank you, sir. First news story, State Department on Afghan refugees in the U.S. We're doing accountings on the back end. I am not surprised. So Secretary of State Anthony Blinken said the State Department is doing accountings on the back end as Afghan uh, evacuees arrive in the United States while some raise concerns about the vetting process. Blinken, during a press conference in Qatar, said the Biden administration focused on getting as many individuals out of Kabul and planned to focus on vetting the, on a vetting process after safely evacuating Afghanistan. Quote, in our effort to get as many people out as fast as we can uh, while we had the airport functioning, we focused on doing just that, Blinken said, adding that the State Department officials are doing accountings in the back end as people arrive in the United States. Jeez Louise. Quote, my expectation is that we'll have a breakdown of the numbers of people who left Afghanistan, including not just American citizens, but green card holders, SIV applicants, SIV visa holders, Afghans at risk, and those eligible for, eligible for P1 and P2 visas, Blinken said. Belch. Uh, all, all of that will be forthcoming in the days and weeks ahead as we're able to break down the numbers. Uh, last week, following the full withdrawal of U.S. troops from Afghanistan, the White House said intelligence and counterterrorism officials were working counterterrorism officials were working around the clock to vet all Afghans before allowing them to enter the United States. The White, the White House said that those with special immigrant visas (SIVs) and vulnerable Afghans were flown to third world third countries in Europe and Asia, flown to third countries in Europe and Asia and had agreed to, quote, serve as transit hubs before undergoing a robust security screening and flying to the U.S. The screening process for those individuals, according to the White House, involved biometric and biographic uh, security reviews conducted by our intelligence, law enforcement, counterterrorism counter uh, officials. White House also said the Afghans will be tested for COVID-19 upon arrival in, uh, to the U.S. and offered vaccines and said the U.S. military bases were ready to take in SIV applicants and other vulnerable Afghans for medical screenings healthcare services, and other aid. Senator Tom Cotton from Arkansas raised concerns about the vetting process Tuesday on Fox & Friends, saying he is incredibly worried. Uh, but a well-placed U.S. Uh, US diplomatic source at Fox News uh, told Fox News that individuals who have been flagged for the vetting process will be sent to Camp Bonsteel, the U.S. Army's main base in Kosovo. The source told Fox News that several individuals are, have already been sent to Kosovo. The source added, though, that the U.S. government can only hold detainees for a year at Camp Bonsteel based upon agreements with the host government. It is unclear where those individuals will go fo uh, following further screening at the base. Meanwhile, by the Biden administration officials have said that the U.S. mission in Afghanistan has shifted from a military mission to a diplomatic one. The State Department is still working to evacuate more than 100 Americans remaining in, Af in Afghanistan should they desire to leave. State Department said it's facilitated the safe departure of four U.S. citizens from Afghanistan on Monday, noting that the Taliban was aware and did not interfere in the evacuation. Senior State Department officials said the evacuation was done by overland route from Afghanistan. Jeez, always. Embassy staff 
was present upon their arrival, the official said. We, they're, they're in good condition. The official said that the Taliban was aware and did not impede their transit. Okay. Look. Maybe it's just because I worked in intelligence and know a little bit about spycraft and stuff like that. It's like, this is exactly how enemy agents infiltrate your nation. Okay. Everyone's trying to get out of Afghanistan as quickly as possible. And that, you know, they, Hey, act like, you know, here's some papers with, you know, they probably already had some forged documents ready to go in case such a opportunity presented itself. You know, I mean, I think it's good that they were, you know, not all of them are coming here, you know, but uh, we got to, we got, we got to be careful about the ones we let in. You know, we got to, and it's, it's a shame. It's a shame that, you know, uh, because of Biden's decision, they were kind of rushed out the door in many ways. And so we had to, we we're, the, the military was forced to handle it this way because of the bad planning of the Biden administration. You know, the vetting should have taken place there in Afghanistan in as much time as we needed to do it. Screw the Taliban. All right. But now we have to do it to the back end, like they're saying. And that's incredibly risky, incredibly risky. New stories like that always jump out at me because, you know, <laughs> my work history. All right, let's go on to this next story. Uh, so Biden is going to tour the Ida damage in New Jersey, New York, with uh, 50 dead in the Northeast. So send your thoughts and prayers. Any kind of help you can to those people and organizations that are helping out people uh, who dealt with dealing with the damage and the, and the deaths you know, caused by this uh, Hurricane Ida storm. So President Biden is touring the damage caused by Hurricane Ida in New Jersey and New York on Tuesday. That's today. A storm which left at least 50 dead in the Northeast and caused historic flooding in the region. <clears throat> the president received a briefing from the local leaders on the impacts of the hurricane in Somerset County and expected to survey damage in Manville, New Jersey. Later, the president is set to travel to Queens, New York, to survey the storm damage there. He is expected to make remarks on his administration's efforts to aid in the response to the storm damage. Quote, I'm hoping to see things that we're going to be able to fix permanently with that bill that we have in the infra infra infrastructure, Biden said as he departed the White House. When he asked how he get Democrats to stick together to pass the agenda, he laughed and said, the sun's going to come out tomorrow. The president's visit comes after he, had, uh, he approved a disaster declaration for New York State, clearing the way for officials to uh, assess federal relief funding to aid recovery efforts. The decision, the decision came one day after Biden approved a similar disaster declaration for six counties in New Jersey. The action made federal funding available for affected individuals. The assistance, according to the White House, can include grants for temporary housing and home repairs, low-cost loans to cover uninsured property losses, and other programs to help individuals and business owners recover from the effects of the storm. At least 50 people were killed across six states as the remnants of Hurricane Ida brought record rainfall to the eastern seaboard. Hurricane, the hurricane initially made landfall in Louisiana, causing major damage and leaving hundreds of thousands of people without power. New York, Gov uh, New York Governor Kathy Holchel's office said the hurricane resulted in more than five, uh, I'm sorry, 50 million in damage to public infrastructure and property, according to estimates from state and federal experts. Holchel directed an additional 378 million in existing FEMA funds towards dis uh, disaster mitigation efforts within the state. So, yeah, uh, if you have family, friends that live up in that you know New England area, 
you know, we were lucky here in Virginia. You know, we, we got a little bit of rain, some heavy rain, but I mean, it's, we were lucky and you know, it's, it's random. It's not like, you know, it could, it could have been just as bad here in Fredericksburg. So thoughts and prayers go out to them, you know, help them out where you can help those organizations that are helping them. Uh, that'd be a good thing. All right, let's go on to this next story. Afghan journalist, woman's right activist described fleeing Taliban with the help of a Spanish reporter. A female journalist and a woman's rights activist, both Afghans who feared, uh, feared the Taliban would kill them for their work, successfully escaped Afghanistan, Afghanistan with help from a Spanish reporter. After safely making it to Spain, Khadija Amin, the journalist, and Masuda Kohistani, the woman's rights activist, described their escape from the Taliban-controlled country in an interview with Fox News. Kohistani escaped after being beaten, but fears her family still in Afghanistan will be killed for her activities and departure. <sighs> Amin, who was uh, an anchor at the Afghan television station before the Taliban takeover, said she had gone to her office before fleeing, but was rejected and told to go home. Quote, my family uh, was very worried about me, Amin told Fox News. I received many calls that said, Khadija, why, do you, why are you talking about Taliban so anything can ha happen to you? They will kill you. So I afraid, I, I afraid that I, I was afraid, afraid that I thought that, yeah, maybe something will happen. But I said I won't ever be silent because it's my right, she continued. Good for her. The same day she was sent home uh, from work for the last time, Amin said the interview with uh, Patricia Gosalvez, Spanish journalist. Amin said that she asked her for help to get out of Afghanistan. So they helped me, Amin told Fox News. They called me and they called to me and said, please come to the airport. We are going to help you. And the Spain police, uh, and the Spain police, so the forces came to the gate and took me to, into the airport and safely I came to Spain right now, she continued. I guess, yeah, she's new to English. Uh, Amin said that she said that even though she is safe now, she's worried other for other women in Afghanistan. I know they're in a very bad situation, she said. Uh, Fox previously, previously reported on Amin as she attempted to flee the country but withheld her face and name to protect her identity from the Taliban. Amin is now safely in Spain with Kohistani and the Afghans, uh, the Afghans uh, women's rights activist. Kohistani also described her final moments, moments in Afghanistan to Fox News. Uh, Gosalvez the Spanish journalist also planned to interview Coastani. Instead, Gonzalez got her out of the country. Quote, before the interview, I went, into the, uh, went out to the uh, woman bakery for the bread, Coastani told Fox News. There is one of the so, inaudible man. There is one of the inaudible man. When I came back to home from the bakery, again, he stopped and told me a very rude word, which is not acceptable. Kostani confronted the man over his language, and he beat her in response. He beat me. He kicked me, she said. But on that time, I do not know how I become strong. I box him and kick him, too. <laughs> Good for you. She told Fox News that her fight left her hands and feet blackened. Kostani returned home but did not tell her family what happened. She said they already feared for her safety because she is an activist. So I tolerate the pain. He beat me too hard, too much too hard, she said. Costani told Gosalvez that she couldn't do the interview because of the beating, and in response, uh, Gonsalves helped her escape. 
Kostani says she's happy she's now safe in, in Spain, but worries about her family in Afghanistan. Quote, I am very worried about my family and I, that I left them there because there is a lot of a pro- lot of problem, you know. An emotional Kostani told Fox News. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's got to be tough to leave your family behind. I mean, even knowing that you, you may get killed with them, alongside them. And... Uh, it, it it could feel it could feel to anybody that that's preferable. I'd rather die die with my family than than leave them behind. You know, but if your if your family loves you like they probably love this woman, <clears throat> said get out, get out while you can. If you can get out, by all means, get out. And I think that this is an example of um uh, what what the women in Afghanistan are going to be facing. You know. The, the Taliban, these people who believe in the Sharia and stuff like that, they don't, they don't think women should be educated. They don't think women should be in any kind of public life or anything like that. They just think of them as, you know, things to breed with. You know, it's, it, it's sad that they treat women so horribly. And, it's a, and I'm, I'm glad that these activist women who were educated under the, 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 during the time that uh, the U.S. was in there to allow for women to be educated and, and so forth and get those kinds of jobs. Hopefully they will come out of this whole situation in Afghanistan fighting for women's rights against these, you know, these countries that don't allow women equal rights under the law the way that America has, you know? And I think that's a very, it's very important that these women, uh, that women in any society are allowed to speak their minds and not be treated as second-class citizens, you know? And this is what the, this is part, all part of the mess that Joe Biden has made in Afghanistan. Anyway, it might be a short show today, but I, the good news is, the good news is that these last three articles are pretty fun, and uh, I might get some giggles out of them. Let's go to this next story. Loud explosion in Tennessee prompted by, quote, unknown phenomena. Causes the ground to shake and multiple 911 calls. Authorities in Tennessee spent hours searching for the source of what residents reported as a loud explosion and shaking ground. In a Facebook post, the Clarksville Police Department wrote on on Sunday that this 911 dispatch had received numerous calls at around 9.50 p.m. local time on Saturday regarding the loud explosion and that several individuals had also said they had felt the ground shake. Quote, the sound was heard in many parts of Montgomery County, <clears throat> but there have been no reports of any injuries or property damage. The Clarksville Police Department, Fire Department, and Montgomery County Sheriff's, Dep- Sheriff's Office and Emergency Medical Services searched for a couple of hours but were unable to locate the source, the department wrote. Quote, Fort Campbell is on a four-day weekend due to the Labor Day holiday. It does not appear to be conducting any of uh, any type of training or exercise, the police added. Currently, this seems to be some sort of unknown phenomenon until someone reports actual damage. Surveillance video captured in the northern Tennessee city with a population of more than 158,100 people captured the sound, as well as a bright flash of light. The U.S. Geological Survey did not register an earthquake in the area, according to WKRN. WTVF reported Monday that residents have been speculating about the cause of the phenomenon. D. Boaz told the police station that she smelled a strange odor. 
uh, quote, a lot of people are obviously saying the, uh, saying the conspiracy theory of aliens because you got some crazy in the mix. <laughs> Stephanie Rattray told WTVF. Uh, quote, I think it was probably somebody playing around with a Tannerite because it's Labor Day weekend and everyone wants to have fun. <laughs> There's a little link here to that video of a UFO. Just, it's just like, a, like an associated story. You know, it could have been a supervillain under, underneath in this underground uh, uh, lair testing, testing nuclear missiles and blew himself up maybe. You don't know. It, you know, sometimes the earth farts. That's all there is to it. But, you know, it, things like that, like sinkholes and stuff like that, always catch my interest. I'm not immune to conspiracy theories and so forth <laughs> or those news, those news stories that could lead to conspiracy theories. All right, let's go on to the second to last story here. Man caught by Tesla allegedly faking injuries after saying he was hit by a car in Louisiana. <laughs> yeah. A man in Louisiana was arrested after he claimed a Tesla hit him in a parking lot and left him injured. But video of the incident showed a different story. Unbeknownst to Bates, Tesla's, Tesla's record all the footage of their cameras, the police department said. When Slidell police officers reviewed the Tesla's video footage, it became apparent that Bates was lying and staged the entire event. The incident unfolded on Friday at about 4 p.m. when the Slidell Police Department responded to a call concerning a man who had been injured, injured in an alleged hit and run. They found Arthur Bates Jr., 47, who said a Tesla driver had backed the car into him in the parking lot. Quote, Bates was complaining of back, leg, and neck injuries, resulting in an ambulance and a fire truck to be dispatched to the location, the Slidell Police Department said of the incident. My neck, my back, my neck, and my back. The police department released video of the scene, which has no sound. It shows Bates falling to the ground as a Tesla driver apparently checking on him before leaving the lot. <laughs> the driver of the Tesla, uh, quote, stated that Bates intentionally jumped behind his vehicle and staged the accident. The Slidell Police Department said in a statement on the incident. Bates, uh, this is a quote, Bates subsequently admitted to fabricating the entire event and is now facing one court one count of false swearing to the intent of with the intent to cause an emergency response, the police department reported. Womp, womp, womp. Hey, you know, uh, <laughs> with, you know, because of, like cameras are like come are starting to appear everywhere. It's like if you're trying to do like bullshit that you try could get away with back in the seventies and eighties, you know, you're out of your mind. Okay. You know, there's always going to be people trying to do insurance scams and all that stuff like that. So there's always going to be a, a Charlie Kelly in the parking lot trying to jump himself, jump in front of a car in order to score World Series tickets. You know what I mean? So, yes, I'm watching Always Sunny again. It's an excellent show. All right? I'm finally watching it and getting past the cringe. Okay, yeah. <laughs> EK is finally be, being able to keep it down. It's a brilliant show. Anyway. So, let's do this one last story, then we'll head on out of here for the for the day, for the week. All right, so a Virginia bus driver pulls a toddler from traffic and hailed as a hero. So Virginia bus driver is being hailed as a hero after he saved, the, saved a wandering toddler who almost walked into oncoming traffic. Kelvin White was driving on his route when he saw a little girl pushing a stroller with a stuffed animal towards the street. He stopped his bus and got out to pull the girl to safety. I was on the, I was on the inbound 20, 
heading to, into downtown Norfolk, heading down Brambleton Avenue towards Martin Luther King Monument. White told Fox 4 Now. I saw a little girl wandering the street. White estimated that the girl was no older than three years old. Uh, thanks to his neon vest, he was able to flag oncoming tr uh, drivers and direct them out of the way until the girl, until he had got the girl to safety. Quote, by the time I reached her, I was able to get her off the street, White explained. Me and another unidentified man, and an unidentified man and I, went door to door in the neighborhood trying to find maybe the mother or somebody who may know the child. Through his quick thinking, White was able to save the girl and re reunite her with her mom, according to WUSA 9 News. All my time in Norfolk's flash. Yeah, I remember Fox 4. I remember WSA 9. <laughs> I remember those streets, Brambleton. Yeah, yeah. Uh, quote, I was very grateful for the actions that he took, Alex Brink, white supervisor, said. It was definitely nothing that would we would necessarily expect an operator to do. For his efforts, Brink said the company gave White a new pair of Beats headphones. Nice. <laughs> do they have those just laying around for when the maybe i don't know hey just grab one of those beats headphones we got in the back we got a ton of them <laughs> anyway white said he'll be happy if he never has to pull another child out of traffic again yeah no kidding quote i'm hoping it never happens again but i'm just glad the little girl is safe white said very humble matter of fact common everyday hero the kind you find in america all over the place it doesn't take much. It really doesn't take much to save a little girl's life. And you could argue, well, yeah, it doesn't necessarily mean she was going to get hurt or, or killed or anything like that. But, hey, just a little bit of compassion shown to your fellow man or woman, however you want to say, say it. Just a little bit of compassion for each other, helping each other out. So this has been Shock Monkey Radio. I want to remind you again to go over to patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio. Become a patron. I would very much appreciate that. And if you can't do that and you have Cash App, you can use the Cash App. Send money to cash tag Shock Monkey Radio, all one word. I would appreciate that as well. Uh, you can see all my social media over here for those of you watching. Or if you want to email me for my mailbag segment that I sometimes do, email me at madmanfxbgpr.com. And I'll answer it. You know, I'll keep you anonymous. If you want to be anonymous, just let me know. Just let me know. Uh, I want to remind you that I got books over on Amazon available for digital download. Search for the author Scott L. Robbins with two T's and two B's. Uh, I have the Exit 13 books, three of those. Uh, I got the Ravings of a Madman, a book very similar to my show. And I got The Bunny Years, a memoir, a, a book about a, a superhero, a B-level B superhero <laughs> named Jackrabbit. Anyway, this has been Shock Monkey Radio. Thank you so much for taking the time to watch, listen. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe. I would appreciate it very much. And I'm the Madman, and I love you.